Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hello, welcome to this Wednesday edition of The Inner Life, our program on spiritual direction, heard daily here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond. What are some of the playground games that you used to play when you were growing up, you know, out on uh, out in recess when you were at school in those younger years when you were six, seven, eight years old? Did you end up playing basketball with your friends or were you part of a group that would get those long jump ropes, take turns seeing how many of you and your friends could all jump in a line together while two other people, they kept on swinging the rope around and around. Tetherball, that was another one that we had at our school. Uh, kickball was a regular playground staple. Uh, and then just a simple game of tag with your friends, maybe climbing on the jungle gym, or would you race out of the uh, classroom to try and be the first one on the swing set? Uh, there, there were a, there would be those games also where you'd bring certain things to, from home to play with your friends, like marbles. Did you ever play marbles when you were out at recess? We had a few variations on the game, and there was uh, the classic way: you'd draw that circle on the sidewalk or or on the blacktop, and then. You and one or two of your friends, you'd put a few marbles in the middle. You'd take turns to shoot at them with another marble, you know, kind of keep it in your hand, pop it out with your thumb, shoot it at one of the marbles there in the center. And you'd try and hit those other marbles out. If we didn't have chalk or some other way of making a circle, we had an alternate way where we would try and take turns, you know, shooting at the other person's marble, but it would be close to a wall. You wanted to hit their marble without letting... Your shooting marble, the one you were controlling, hit the wall. And, of course, you could play for fun where nobody loses any marbles. Uh, you get to take the ones that are yours back at the end of the game. Or you could play for keeps where you might end up capturing some marbles from your friends. But you could also find some of yours captured if they were more skilled or if they just got lucky. And most of us playing marbles, we'd have a few marbles that were larger than the standard marble. We'd mainly use these as the ones to shoot, and we called them boulders. That was our nickname for them on the playground, just to differentiate them from all the other normal-sized marbles. And then if you were really lucky, you'd have one or two what we called steelies in your collection. A steely was simply a ball bearing about the size of a marble, sometimes a little larger. But those were rare. So if you had a steely, it was a prized possession. And I remember I was probably about six years old and had started playing a game of marbles with one of my, my friends at school, Justin. We were outside during recess, and we had a few that we were willing to sacrifice each, few marbles. So we said, sure, we're going to play for keeps. 
and I had this bright, shiny, reflective steely that I decided to use for shooting. It was my favorite in my collection of marbles, and it wasn't by any means a huge collection, but at six years old, I also had this kind of, I don't know, magical, I guess, belief that this little steely, it was going to let me win. I was never going to lose a game of marbles if I was using that. And Justin, he and I, we were playing the version of marbles against the school wall. And like I said, you didn't want your shooting marble to hit the wall because then you couldn't pick it back up until you used one of your other marbles that aren't out there on the ground. You'd have to hit it on your next turn shooting with that different marble. Well, I accidentally hit the wall with that steely. So it's out in the game now. And immediately, Justin, he shoots at it and he captures it. And now at this point, I didn't think he was a very good friend any longer because he just captured my favorite marble. And I didn't really want to play marbles anymore with him. And I think I even engaged in conversation trying to persuade him, well, maybe we really shouldn't be playing for keeps. But Justin didn't back down. He just held on to that steely. And, and I didn't try and argue very much, even though I wasn't happy. I didn't like it. I knew that he'd won fair and square. He he had captured that because of the rules of the game. And at six years old, I remember how I felt like crying over losing my favorite marble, but I also didn't want anybody else to see me and think, you know, oh, look at the little crybaby out there losing his marble in a game. I didn't want the other kids to see that. So I did get over the loss of that pretty quickly, but it also helped me to realize if I don't want to lose something that's valuable, I better not risk it or gamble with it. But then there was also the lesson that I shouldn't allow things that I own to have such a hold on me. I shouldn't derive so much comfort from those things to the point that I have trouble functioning if I have no longer have that particular thing. Now, this lesson, the second lesson that I'm talking about, that's still a work in progress for me because I think for most of us, there are probably certain attachments that we have where we don't even realize we're so attached or dependent upon whatever it is in our life that has that hold on us. And this is what we want to discuss today on The Inner Life, recognizing those attachments we have in our lives, especially things that might be holding us back from making progress in our spiritual journey. How we discover those attachments, but more importantly, how we can let go of them so that our main attachment is really to Christ alone. That's what we hope to discuss and answer today here during this hour. And our spiritual director joining us is Father Rob Kroll. He's a regular here on The Inner Life. He's a Jesuit priest and the director of spiritual formation at St. Francis de Sales Seminary in Milwaukee. Father Rob, welcome back to The Inner Life. Hey, Josh. Good to be with you and our listeners again today. And, you know, your story does beg a certain question that I just have to ask, which is, have you really lost your marbles, right? Yeah, that's I know, I know. That, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's always the, uh, yeah, the, the pun that comes along with that one, isn't right. it? But, uh, I know, uh, it's not very original, but uh, no, no, good to be with right. you, good to be with you. I yeah. just came off yeah, my well, own, uh, I just I was going to say, I just came off my own annual eight-day silent retreat, so, uh, so hopefully I'll have a little bit of wisdom to share uh, during the hour today. Excellent. Well, uh, I'm glad we're one of your first stops after your retreat (laughs) here, Father. Um, So uh, talking about the things that we are attached to, you know, then the opposite of that is this concept of detaching. Mm -hmm. So 
Can we, right here at the beginning of the hour, just spend a little time defining what detachment is and maybe also what it isn't? Sure. No, I think this is a really important topic, and it's one that as a Jesuit I often um, preach about on retreats or in homilies because St. Ignatius uh, emphasized very much in his spiritual exercises the need for a spiritual uh, detachment. And, uh, you know, as you indicated, it's easy for us in our fallen state to become very overly attached to many different things in our life. And sometimes uh, they can be a material thing like that marble or, you know, uh, more commonly maybe uh, certain possessions that we have, material possessions. Um, But it doesn't have to be material things. Uh, We can be attached to, you know, things like our reputation or maybe being liked by other people to the point where I avoid conflict at all costs or I stay silent when I should speak up. Uh, maybe I'm attached to being in control of every, of my own life and other people's lives. I just always have to be the one to be kind of dictating everything, um, maybe being right all the time. Um, I know that in working with the seminarians here, um, there's certainly a, uh, attachments to social media and YouTube videos and you know, um, certain realities in our culture uh, that can kind of claim our minds and hearts. And, and, of course, we all get attached sometimes to favorite sins. Um, and, uh, you know, those sins seem to promise uh, fulfillment or uh, meaning or purpose, or maybe they're, we're attached to them because they help us escape uh, things that are painful in our life. And, um, and they bring a certain pleasure, even if it's kind of momentary. And even if at the end of the day, our sins leave us feeling kind of empty and sad and, and unfulfilled. But uh, we can be very attached and it can be very hard to detach from certain uh, vices or sins in our life. So anyway, I think it's something we all can relate to and we all struggle with. And, and I think on our pilgrimage towards heaven, the goal is, is to become not, not um, aloof from the things of the world. I mean, the world that God has created is is good and beautiful, and God wants us to use many of the creatures that he brings into our life. But the question is, how do I use them freely? How do I use them well so that I'm loving God and my neighbor, and I'm praising and giving glory to God? And and that's always the trick. And and I don't think we'll ever be there, you know, this side of heaven, but we can certainly grow in in being uh, free from certain things so that we can be truly free for God and the kingdom. Well, and as you're talking about, you know, recognizing that things that we have, especially material things, they might not not necessarily be, you know, problematic in and of themselves. And I remember years ago, you know, this was probably when I was in my teens or 20s, C.S. Lewis, in one of his books, he made the comment that, uh, you know, matter is a good thing and God created all things that are material you know we we are made of matter and that's that's good um it's really more what we do with that matter if we get caught up in it um cuz we can get really caught up in it but then we can also look at all material things and say well, everything that is material is evil. It's only the spiritual that's good. And that goes back to an early heresy in the church. Sure. So there has to be this this kind of balance that we approach when we look at things that we have in our lives, that it they don't control us, but we understand they are there for our benefit and our goodness, as long as they don't start taking an inordinate hold on us. 
Yeah, you've expressed it very, very well. And like you said, the Church from the very beginning has rejected any kind of heresy that was kind of dualistic or, you know, saw the spiritual as good and the and material as bad. You know, Plato, one of the early uh, or ancient Greek philosophers, had this idea that, you know, the soul is kind of trapped in this evil body and we have to escape the body. And, you know, that's not the Christian view at all. I mean, especially because of the incarnation of God taking on our human nature, taking on a human body, um, you know, living on this earth and using material things, of course, well and, and in a holy way. Um, you know, we're called to do the same. And and so one of the things we talk about uh, is discernment, right? We have to make a good discernment about which creatures trip me up and maybe I need to either surrender them entirely or I need to let go of them for a certain time. And then which creatures are not a problem for me and I can use them very well. And, and it's not one size fits all. You know, I'm, I'm thinking of, for example, the use of alcohol. You know, there are some people for whom one drink is too many because they know they have a, a disposition towards uh, that compulsion or addiction. And so they've learned by experience that, you know, for them, they just need to avoid alcohol completely to be free. It's not that alcohol in and of itself is bad. I mean, there are many Catholic uh, monks that make beer and wine and so forth. But um, but it can be something that we use, as you said, inordinately um, in an unholy way. And so another person might be able to have a, a glass or two of wine at dinner or at a celebration, and it's not a problem. And and, and so we have to each of us has to undertake kind of a, a discernment, you know, with the help of the Holy Spirit to decide, yeah, what what are really those things that I'm overly attached to, and then. And we'll talk about this, I'm sure, this hour is, how, you know, what concretely, practically can we do to try to, to free ourselves um, and use these things, uh, you know, for God's service? Well, again, talking with Father Rob Kroll here on The Inner Life. And uh, again, I'll open up the phones here if you have a question about how to detach from those things that maybe have a hold of you in your life. You're welcome to speak with Father Rob. Our phone number is 888-914-9149, What is that thing maybe you're holding on to in your life? And, and when have you struggled to let go of something maybe you were able to let go of it, maybe be able to detach from that, or does it still have a hold on you? Um, and how has, if you've been able to let go of things, how has that helped you to grow in your relationship with Christ? 888-914-9149. Uh, Father Rob, uh, you're a Jesuit, and so I'm sure much of your understanding of detachment, you know, you've, you've talked about St. Ignatius a little bit here, but it's going to come from him, the founder of your order, in his spiritual exercises right at the very beginning, before even getting into the exercises, he has what is called the first principle and foundation. And it starts off by just giving that, that kind of defining who we are in relationship to God. God created human beings to praise, reverence, and serve God, and by doing this to save their souls. And so it gives kind of that purpose and that understanding. And then he ends up going on to say, you know, we're only to use the things of this world to the extent that they help us to the end of our salvation, the, the purpose for which we've been created. And we should rid ourselves of the things of this world that get in the way of this end. And then he gives a few examples. Right. He says, for it's necessary to make ourselves indifferent to all created things as much as we are able. He gives these different examples. Uh, can you kind of just give a little more insight into this first principle and foundation, 
how it can how, how it informs a person's understanding of not being overly attached to anything that might hold us back from salvation. Sure. No, I think it is a very uh, crucial statement from St. Ignatius. And you read part of it when you said it is necessary to make ourselves indifferent to all created things. And just want to clarify there, because in, in, that's often the word we use when we translate it into English. But also in our English usage, the word indifferent can have a negative connotation. And it can su- uh, kind of suggest being um uncaring, aloof, you know, detached in kind of a a negative way. And so that's not at all what we're talking about. We're really, we're talking about spiritual freedom again. And uh, and in that statement, St. Ignatius goes on to say, uh, on our part, uh, we should not prefer health, you know, rather than sickness, riches rather than poverty, honor rather than dishonor, a long life rather than a short life, and so on. Uh, what he says is we ought to desire and choose only that which is more conducive to the end for which we are created, which, as you pointed out, is praise, reverence, and service of God. So anyway, it's kind of neat that he gets that specific, because, again, I think we can all relate to this. I mean, for myself, I've never spent a night in a hospital, so I've had uh, a pretty healthy life. But uh, when I get uh, a cold, uh, I rarely get the flu. I did get COVID a couple times. But, you know, when I get sick, um, I don't like it with, you know, I don't, I don't prefer to be sick. I like being in good health. But but maybe when I'm sick, it's an opportunity to, you know, pray about the fact that I'm mortal, that at some point I am going to die. And it also kind of reminds me that maybe I need other people to help me. Like when I was quarantined in COVID, uh, some of the seminarians were bringing me food and kind of serving me, taking care of me, which I'm much more comfortable being in the in the position of one who's serving others. You know, I don't like to be dependent. Um, riches rather than poverty. Now, I, I have a vow of poverty, so I've let go of some of the things that the world says are really important to be happy. But I certainly don't live poorly. Um, I try to live simply. But there are things, you know, I had an experience actually uh, in this last year where I bought a, a, a nice red Adidas shirt that I thought looked really good on me, and then I kind of realized I was... I was pretty attached to it, and so I ended up bringing it down to uh, St. Vincent de Paul and letting it go. That was a bit of a mortification for me, but, you know, we all probably have uh, things in our life that we we want to cling to. Honor rather than dishonor. I mean, I have to confess that I prefer to be well thought of and affirmed and everything. If if somebody comes up after a homily and critiques it, or if uh, someone, just because I'm a Catholic priest, um, kind of uh, attacks me in some way, um, yeah, that can be tough. I, I don't particularly like that. I'm 57 years old. I like to think that if God called me home uh, today, I'd be ready. Um, but again, I guess I'd prefer a longer life. I wouldn't mind living to be in my 80s, um, but I don't have control over that, and I have to be, you know, ready. I, ha- I have to be ready, right, to, even if my life is shorter. So uh, all, all those examples, I think, are very practical, and, and again, they lead us to think about our own lives and um, how free are we, really, when it comes to all these different realities in our own life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I remember the first time I read through that first principle and foundation. This was many years ago. And with most of those examples that St. Ignatius gave, at least intellectually, I could say, okay, I can go along with that. You know, riches mm-hmm. versus poverty, I, I get that. That's, you know, that's what we're called to as, as Christians in general. Mm-hmm. Um, even the, uh, the honor versus dishonor, you know, okay, that could be associated with pride and that's going to be 
that that can dig its roots in and take hold. Mm-hmm. And so I, I need to make sure that pride doesn't get its its uh, you know claws into me. Um, but it was that line about not preferring health over sickness. That's the one that really stopped me in my tracks, even more than the sh- long life versus a short life. Uh-huh. Um, because, you know, like you say, I, I've I've not had to spend any, you know, long amounts of time in a hospital or, you know, had any sort of severe illness. And for people who do deal with chronic illness day in, day out, mm-hmm. I, I mm-hmm. that's a cross I don't I don't understand and it, it scares me quite frankly. Right. Um right. but uh, you know, for those who are going through that situation, I have such sympathy, but I know I have to be of all of those, at least those listed there by Saint Ignatius, I have to be more on guard, I think, that I'm not overly attached to my health. Um but I also think, you know, as you're talking about the 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 side of okay i need to recognize that i'm not attached to that i think there can also be when we when we do have good health or when for whatever reason you know god has allowed us to have more money than maybe the average person whatever that is when we are able to take that step back and maybe let go of the attachment it also allows us then to recognize this isn't of my own doing, it's really a blessing of God, yeah, you know, yeah. that this, that I have better health than maybe my neighbor or, you know, the, the elderly couple down the road. Uh, and so it, it, I think also can instill that gratitude in our lives yeah. saying, thank you, God, for how you've blessed me in these areas. I don't want to be attached to them, but it really is a blessing. Yeah, you're on to something really important, which is uh, the fundamental attitude of gratitude and just realizing that, that everything is gift. And 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 um, along with that, we might look at another famous kind of statement associated with uh, St. Ignatius and the Jesuits, which is this Susipe uh, prayer that we often recite. It goes like this, Take, Lord, receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will, all that I am, and all that I possess. You have given all to me. I surrender it all to you to be disposed of according to your will. Give me only your love and your grace. With these I will be rich enough and will desire nothing more. And what's really, I think, key about that prayer is we recognize that everything we have and everything we are ultimately comes from God's hands. And so while we're stewards of it, uh, we're not really the owners of it. And if, like you said, in God's providence, if he wants to, you know, take something away, um, I want to be ready to accept that. Uh, God doesn't play with us. He's not toying with us. But he knows what's best for us, and he knows that sometimes removing something from our life, it, it could be health, it could be a material thing, a job, whatever, that it could lead to some real spiritual growth. And uh, so I want to be in that posture of like the open-handed posture where I can actually hand back and surrender to God whatever he's given me if it's his will. And and so it's always his will and his glory that we're striving to embrace. And uh, yeah, if, you know, and I think we know, we know great saints that have done this well and we admire them and, you know, we may not be there yet, but we can take great inspiration from their, from their uh, modeling, you know, so. 
Yeah, absolutely. Again, talking with Father Rob Kroll about how we can let go of those things where we find ourselves attached to those things. Maybe it's even a relationship for you in your life where you have that attachment, something that might be getting in the way of your progress moving forward toward holiness. And when have you been able to let go of something? Maybe it still does have that hold on you. Uh, or if you were able to let go of it, if you were able to achieve that freedom of, from that attachment, how has that helped you to grow closer to Christ? And maybe even to recognize other areas where you didn't at first know, oh, I do have this attachment in this area. Uh, you're welcome to call in and share your story or ask a question of Father Rob Kroll here at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And our email address is innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. And we'll be back with more right after this here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. We receive over a million prayer requests every year, thanks in part to the Catholic Order of Foresters studio line, helping us stay connected to your intentions. Learn how our sponsor can support your family with life insurance at relevantradio.com slash Forrester, an Illinois life insurance society not available in all states. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, and I'm joined by Father Rob Kroll, a Jesuit priest and the Director of Spiritual Formation at St. Francis de Sales Seminary, located in Milwaukee. And today we're talking about how we can detach from those things that might have a little bit of a hold on us, especially when they get in the way of our spiritual progress, our growth in holiness, the ability for us to get to know and love Christ better. And maybe you have that something in your life that's holding you back and you've been trying to let go and it's a struggle and you have a question for Father Rob, you're welcome to call in. Uh, Maybe you've been able to make some progress detaching from some of those things that used to have a hold on you. Uh, What were some of the ways that you were able to make that progress in letting go and realizing "Eh, this isn't for my best end here. You know, this this is holding me back uh, from being a better person, from loving God more. 888-914-9149 is the phone number to call in and share your story or ask your question. 888-914-9149. Uh, Father Rob, as, as we're talking about detaching, we also have to be practical. You know, we're physical beings. We talked about the material world, but there are certain things to one degree or another we just absolutely are going to need to survive. You know, uh, food, water, shelter, clothing, you know, those sorts of basics. And so can you give us some perspective on balance? You know, we know that we're going to have to purchase our own things, you know, certain things that we need for, for living. How do we approach ownership you know going back to that idea that you mentioned in that prayer uh from saint ignatius that that surrender that prayer of surrender where you know i i give everything back to you it's all it's already coming from you god all i want is your love and your grace so how do we foster that proper attitude so that we use the things we need but we don't find ourselves overly attached to those things Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's really good. And, you know, I think practically some things that are very important for us, especially as Catholics, that can really help us to be 
truly detached and to be able to use God's good gifts well would be, you know, first of all, we want to stay close to God's grace, his, especially the grace that comes to us in the sacraments. So I think, you know, going, making sure that we're getting to Mass, you know, certainly on Sundays and Holy Days of Obligation, but even more frequently. And, you know, as we not only receive the body and blood of Christ and allow him to take possession of us more. It's interesting that I use that word, take possession, right? We're talking about possessions. We we belong to Christ. We want him to possess us and to transform us more deeply into him. So I think the primary way that that happens is through the sacraments. Uh, we receive him in the Eucharist. We hear, you know, we, if we go to Mass more frequently, we uh, hear the, the scriptures proclaimed and broken open. And so all of that is a help. Uh, certainly getting to confession regularly as well and confessing, you know, certain um, uh, sins <clears throat> that we're attached to or other realities that kind of trip us up. Um, so the grace of the sacraments is huge. I do think having a, a regular disciplined prayer life is really important because it's in prayer that we might hear God speaking to us and calling us, inviting us, even challenging us to let go of certain realities that have taken hold of us excessively. Um, so just you know, maintaining a prayer life where we can listen to the Holy Spirit and, and exercise some discernment. Um, I also think, you know, we have a long tradition in our church of, of healthy mortifications. And I know that today that's often uh, fallen on hard times. We live in a culture that's very materialistic and instant gratification and all that. So the idea yeah. of practicing penances and mortifications is not always very attractive. But we can do little things. Uh, if, if we're attached to food, for example, you know, we might fast a little more often. Um, Ignatius has this principle that we Jesuits often talk about. We use the term agere contra, meaning literally to act against. You know, So if, if I find myself gravitating excessively or inordinately towards something, then I want to actually work against that actively by choosing the opposite. So if, I, if I'm a kind of uh, you know, attached to certain foodstuffs or beverages, maybe I... Well, we do this during Lent, of course. We try to sacrifice things, and we can do that all throughout the year, you know, in small ways. Um, so those are some practical things that I think we can do, and, and uh, you know, we can talk about it all day long, but the reality is unless we exercise, you know, some way of uh, disciplining our, our appetites and and curbing our attachments, you know, we're, we're probably not going to be free of them. Uh, I think about Jesus yeah. and how often he spoke about um, simplicity and how he sent his disciples out two by two uh, with with very little, actually, and he himself, you know, lived a very detached life. Uh, so, yeah, those are some thoughts on that. Father, let's go to the phones. We've got uh, some different people calling in to speak with you. And again, our phone number here to call into the studio, 888-914-9149, as uh, we're joined by Father Rob Kroll today and talking about how we let go of those things that have a hold on us or we're holding on to uh, one way or the other. Um, Sometimes it is we're holding on a little too tightly. We don't want to let go. Sometimes we want to let go, but for whatever reason, maybe if there's an addiction or a compulsion there, uh, it's hard for us to let go. If you have a question, or maybe you've been able to make that progress, 
toward freedom from those attachments in your life. We'd love to hear how you've been able to achieve that in your life, uh, what has helped in that regard, uh, both in uh, as far as you know, you, the spiritual support you have through prayer as well as just maybe some practical steps you've taken. 888-914-9149. Father Kathleen is calling in from Nashville, Tennessee. Kathleen, welcome to The Inner Life. You're on the air. Hi, hi, Father. Um, I just wanted hi, to mention. Kathleen. Maybe you. Hi, how you doing? I just wanted to mention something. I think you might have mentioned it before, but I think before I could do anything, I had to just picture the Lord looking at me and loving me, and just resting in His peace and His love. And I always thought that that was part of the foundation. Um, I know when I did these spiritual exercises on a retreat, it was an eight-day retreat, that that was one of the um, the things that I remember hearing. <laughs> And that helps me. That helped me a lot, and it still helped me. I'm still kind of at that stage where I'm just letting uh-huh. him love me, and then I can kind of let go. And, and one of the things I really had to let go of was I love sleeping late. <laughs> it's like one of uh-huh. the really problems, and I finally let it go and was able to spend that time praying because I saw him loving me and then going to daily mass. I mean, um, I, I was doing that anyways, but I think it's kind of pushing me to do it now out of love mm-hmm. and um so I was just wanted to mention I, that really helps me just kind of sit like the Mary Martha thing, be more of a Mary than a Martha, just kind of sitting there and, and soaking in his love and knowing that he really loves me. And then, then I don't feel uh, it's so difficult then to let go because he's there sure. loving me. So I just wanted to add that. Yeah. Yeah, no, thanks, Kathleen, for sharing that personal experience. And, you know, you mentioned something very important. I, I did refer to prayer and having a disciplined prayer life, but I'm glad that you said something very specific, which is really resting in the Trinitarian love. You know, the fact that our, our Heavenly Father, that Jesus, the Holy Spirit, they do behold us with great love. And I do think that um, one of the dangers in this discussion about detachment is we think that it's all about us, you know, that, that I go about doing all these mortifications, all these practices, and that I'm going to somehow get myself detached. You know, I'm glad you called and shared what you did because I think one of the key points we need to remember is ultimately if we're going to become freer and less um, attached to things, it, it really is the work of grace. We have to cooperate with it, yes. We have to say yes to it and put it into practice, but ultimately it's it's the Lord who accomplishes it in us and through us. And And so I think that reminder about, you know, our fundamental identity is that we are God's beloved. And if we can grow in that reality, not just intellectually or in a heady way, but but truly feel that in our hearts and know it in our bones, that's going to make it so much easier for us then to be able to let go of things that we know are just not, they're not holy, or, or at least we're not using them in in a good and holy way to glorify God. So yeah, no, thanks very much. And and your, your example of sleeping in late, I mean, I think we can all kind of relate to that, too. And, and it does. It gets, it gets very kind of like nitty-gritty. Where, where does the rubber hit the road for me and for you? And so I think it's a good thing that maybe today each of us can spend a little time in prayer asking God to, to show us, to reveal to us what, what are really those things that I'm overly attached to. So. Uh, again, our phone number here to call in and join the program, 888-914-9149. And uh, Father... As we're talking about this, you know, the the example that Kathleen gave of sleep. Sleep is something that we need, and, sure. you know, we can, as, as with anything, we can overindulge. How do you think we recognize when 
those, we just might be crossing a line. When something is good, it is needed, or at the very least, you know, it's, it's neutral. It's neither good nor mm-hmm. bad. Um, but how, how can we recognize where maybe it wasn't an attachment in the past, but little by little, slowly, and just kind of under our radar, yeah. it's crept into this place where, oh, maybe I do have an attachment to this, or it's something that's starting to take a hold on me. How do we recognize that when it can be subtle or quiet? Yeah, no, that's a great question, and it kind of goes back to your point about balance again, because, um, again, sleep is something we need. We we need a certain amount of it. Some people need more than others, but we obviously can overindulge in it as well. And so how do we know? I mean, I think, I think again, prayer and asking the question, like like being very conscious and intentional about asking God to help us see what's real, what's true, I think I think that's huge. Um uh, Kathleen mentioned an eight-day retreat she went on. You know, I think every baptized Christian should, you know, try to spend at least maybe a weekend every year just going off and, and being with the Lord and having a little more extended time of solitude and silence. That can be a time that, you know, we can really see more clearly into our lives, below the surface of our daily lives. Um you know, I think for me, spiritual direction is a place where just about every month I have a conversation with my spiritual director and in, and just talking things out, I might see where I am not so free and, and to have somebody that I'm accountable to who can also ask me questions and explore things with me. So that, I didn't mention that earlier, but that, that could be another really important resource is some form of spiritual guidance. Even if it's not a one-on-one spiritual director, maybe getting together with some trusted you know, Christian friends and engaging in uh, conversation each with each other, being kind of transparent and vulnerable, uh, that can be huge. So I, I think uh, you know, those are some things that come to mind. And um, but it, it can be tricky, you know, and, and it can be we're easily deceived, and we can easily rationalize yeah. and justify things too, instead of really taking a good, honest look at at where we're attached. So. Yeah, that that <laughs> that rationalizing or oh, yeah. you know kind of justifying to ourselves. Well, it's not really so bad because uh well, I have these special circumstances that make it not so bad. Yeah, I <laughs> right, think all right. of us or fall compared into that to so trap. and so. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. At least I'm not like her or him or yeah. <laughs> um, one other thing here, Father, it might be good. Can can you talk maybe about some of the similarities, but also the differences between having an attachment and then dealing with an addiction? You know, yeah. while there might be a number of areas where they are indeed similar, there's a lot of crossover. With an addiction, a person loses to at least some degree their choice, their free will in, in being able to say no to that addiction. And so can you kind of help us understand where we, you know, when, it, when it's an attachment and, okay, I, I, can, I can seek help for this through prayer and maybe spiritual yeah. direction as opposed to an addiction where maybe I need to go to some sort of self-help group, you know, a 12-step program, mm-hmm. uh, I need to seek counseling, whatever it might be. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up, uh, Josh, for a couple reasons. I mean, I, one, of the, one of the reasons I asked my Jesuit superiors if I could do a, a, a degree in clinical psychology is because I, I recognized as a spiritual director and retreat preacher that often 
the the spiritual and the psychological are intertwined and 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 you raise a really important point you know that um there are people that will struggle for a long time to free themselves of certain behaviors and they just are unable and they beat themselves up really badly and it 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 may be that as you say it's not just that they're uh sinful you know it's that they've got an actual a compulsion or even addiction that needs to be addressed on a psychological or emotional level too. So I think I think that's again part of the discernment. And and if we if we have struggled with a substance or a behavior for you know especially a long time and we have not been able to overcome it, you know at that point I think we need to really seriously ask: Do I need additional resources? And and fortunately today there's a lot less stigma around uh, whether it's 12-step groups or individual therapy and counseling. But, you know, uh, all of that is such a huge help. Um, and and so, yes, we need God's grace, of course, again, and and we have to engage our will. But, but because of traumas in our life, because of wounds that we suffer, often our will is uh, compromised and debilitated. And so it isn't just a matter of pulling ourselves up, you know, by our bootstraps, so to speak, but we have to be humble enough to seek some some help. You know, unfortunately, there's a lot of good good resources out there. And, you know, this, this conversation is making me think of a story that I heard years ago, but it's a great image for me. Um, and I, I, I have to trust that it's true. I, I don't remember where I came across it, but apparently in parts of Africa, when certain tribesmen wants, want to trap uh, a monkey, and either for a pet or I don't know if they use it for their diet or whatnot, but when they want to uh, uh, entrap a monkey, what they'll do is they'll take a large gourd and they'll uh, hollow it out and have a hole in the gourd that is just large enough for the monkey's hand to fit in. And then they'll hang this from a tree and they'll put some really tasty nuts that the monkey loves inside the gourd and they'll hide and then the monkey comes along and he puts his hand in the gourd to grab the the nuts inside but when he makes a fist to take out the nuts uh, the fist now is too large to get through the hole and so he has a choice as the tribesmen come to capture him either the monkey has to let go of the nuts you know and then take his hand out and flee or he's just going to get caught because he's going to be attached to this gourd and and i guess very often anyway they uh they are so enamored with these nuts that they will just hold on to them with a fist and let themselves be you know trapped and anyway it's kind of humorous but i find it very insightful because you know sometimes we get we go a long 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 period with ourselves kind of holding on with tight fists to certain things, certain behaviors that, you know, we know we're, we're going to be enslaved. We know we're going to be snared, but we just don't want to let it go, you know. And even though it doesn't really work, you know, we know it doesn't work, and yet there's something in us that is just so uh, enticed by it. So anyway. Mm, yeah. Uh, talking with Father Rob Kroll today here on The Inner Life and welcoming your phone calls at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. As we talk about how we can detach from those things that have a hold on us, that uh, those things that we know we need to let go of, but 
It might be difficult, and maybe you've made some progress in that area in your life, something that holds you back from being able to make progress in holiness in your relationship with Christ. Maybe there's something you're struggling with, and you're not sure how you're going to be able to let go of that. It really is something that's that's uh, uh, quite the, the struggle for you, and you'd like to talk with Father Rob, you're welcome to call us at 888-914-9149. And we'll continue our conversation in just a moment. You're listening to Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. This hour sponsored by Ave Maria Mutual Funds, where financial goals are aligned with pro-life values and fund decisions are based on investment fundamentals designed to preserve and grow wealth without violating moral beliefs. More information at AveMariaFunds.com. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond. So glad that you're joining us here during this hour. And if you joined us late, you'd like to go back and hear more of what we were talking about earlier in the hour. The podcast will have that posted shortly after the broadcast ends. You can find that on our website, relevantradio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. Today, talking with Father Rob Kroll about how we let go of those attachments in our lives. And we're taking your phone calls at 888-914-9149. Father, Maybe we can talk a moment here. We've talked a lot about uh, St. Ignatius, but of course we can always go back to our Lord and what he says when it comes to possessions, to attachments. And we have a couple of different points in Scripture where we see this story of this rich young man who comes before Jesus. And he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus talks about, well, you need to observe all the commandments. The young man says, yes, I've already done all this. Jesus says then, you should sell everything that you have, all your possessions, and give them to the poor and come follow me. And the young man leaves sad because he had many possessions. He didn't want to give them up. I remember hearing that uh, this is told you know, in St. Mark's Gospel, and there's a question, could this have been Mark himself? He walks away sad because he's this rich young man. But eventually he comes back, comes back around, and becomes this companion to St. Paul on his missionary journeys. He obviously is the author of a gospel. I mean, that's that's speculative. But right. in St. Matthew's gospel, Jesus, right after this, he then gives this familiar line about how it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And so we've got a pretty strong statement here from Jesus. Um, he also goes on, you know, in other places where he talks about, you know, uh, more figuratively, if if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Uh, are, how how literal versus figurative should we take Jesus's words when he's talking about? sell everything you have, come follow me. It's, it's easier for a, a rich man to pass through, or a, a camel to pass through the eye of the needle than a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. How should we understand this? Yeah, uh, it's a challenge. And I think, uh, you know, there have been great saints that, like St. Francis of Assisi or others, who took it very literally and uh, dispossessed themselves of pretty much all worldly goods. But again, it's not one size fits all. I think Jesus knew that this particular rich young man was overly attached to his created goods. And so, you know, it says, I like that version in Mark 10 when he says Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, you know, you lack one thing. So here's, here's a really good young man. Uh, he's kept a lot of those commandments. 
he really desires to serve God, but it's like when he's given that ultimate challenge to sell everything and follow Jesus, he can't do it. And Jesus still looks at him with great love. And there are many Catholics that have a lot of wealth and use it for many good purposes. So they're not called necessarily to, uh, you know, dispossess themselves in the same way. So I think Jesus knew that this, for this particular young man's salvation and freedom, he would have to let go. And, and again, we're, we're kind of left hanging. Uh, we don't know if it's Mark or not. We don't know what happens. Maybe he does later come back you know, having sold everything and follows Jesus. We hope so. But um, but the reality is, you know, again, each one of us is called differently. And uh, I love, too, in Luke 12, there's a parable of the rich fool, you know, this man who uh, has all this uh, material possessions, and he says, I know what I'll do. I'll build myself bigger barns and storehouses. And he does that, and he says, now I can kind of eat, drink, and be merry. And then that very night, he's called home uh, to heaven, you know. And, and uh, so the rich fool be foolish because he he invested too much of himself, of, his, of himself in these material things. And, and in that same chapter of Luke 12, uh, Jesus then goes on to tell the story or the uses the image of the lilies of the field and the ravens. You know, they don't, you know, they don't uh, uh, sow or, you know, the flowers are... are clothed more splendid in a more splendid fashion you know than king solomon and the birds are fed so i think one of the things we haven't maybe highlighted this hour that we should as the hour winds down that we should really stress is what's going to help us to grow in this freedom that we desire is is greater trust trust in god's providence trust that god will actually provide and take care of us that doesn't mean he's going to shield us from every difficulty or trial but even in those he will accompany us and he'll give us ultimately what we need for our salvation. So I think the more we can trust God, um, the more, the easier it'll be for us to, to let go of certain things that, that ensnare us. Uh, Father, we're down to just a couple minutes remaining here, but how about if you have somebody that you know that you love and you see them dealing with that attachment? Again, this is not necessarily, you know, in the realm of somebody struggling with uh, some sort of compulsion or addiction. But if you just see that attachment in their life, if it's your child, you know, you might be able to have a little bit more influence there, but there could also, depending on their age, you know, if they're in their teenage or, or adult years, there could be, you know, that could ignite some rebellion in that child. Uh, if it's a spouse or, uh, you know, a good friend, you probably are going to have to tread lightly here, but any recommendations on how you might be able to try and address this? And, and the the one big one that comes to yeah. my mind is get this the the log out of your eye before you try and get the speck out of somebody else's <laughs> eye. But sure, um, but but still, we do recognize things in other, and we want the best for them. Well, right, and I think about Paul's admonition in Ephesians 4 about speaking the truth in love, right? And so it's always got to be spoken in love, otherwise the truth can be kind of a club that we, you know, we pound somebody with, and, and, and that doesn't really lead anywhere uh, fruitful. But um, I, I think one thing is to always make sure that we are, when we want to challenge somebody, like in an area where they're not free and we want them to maybe examine that, is, yeah, to, to be very humble and say that, you know, I don't have it all together. Uh, I have my own areas of attachment, but I just notice 
that this particular thing seems to be really uh, enslaving you, and I and I, I love you, and I want you to be free. Another thing is to ask questions uh, rather than just oh, make statements. Yeah. To ask questions that's, that might lead the person to reflect. So, a couple thoughts. Yeah, that, that's that's a great that's a great way going with questions rather than accusations. Right. Uh, Father Rob, completely out of time here for the hour, but yep. it's always great to talk with you. Uh, about ten seconds. Could I ask you to give a blessing for our listeners? Sure. Heavenly Father, please send down your Holy Spirit upon all of our listeners. Protect them in body, mind, and spirit. Help them to grow in spiritual freedom. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down upon you and remain with you forever. Amen. Amen. Again, thanks, Father Rob Kroll, for being here with us for this hour. A big thank you to Nick Sentovich and Thomas Engester, our producers here behind the scene. Stay tuned. Mass is coming up next here on Relevant Radio. We'll talk with you again tomorrow.